Hello and welcome to the pod people, the show where Nazis are bad and punching Nazis is good. I'm Nazi puncher Matisse Van Rossum. I'm Corporal uh, Benjamin Sheets, Nazi puncher in charge. Yeah, we're here to talk about Overlord. We mentioned a little bit about Overlord last week, and uh, we talked about it months ago on our uh, Cloverfield episode because it was originally announced that this movie was going to be Cloverfield 4, or Cloverlord more specifically, <laughs> and... Um, well, I guess that's not the case. Thankfully. Thankfully. It it was still produced by J.J. Abrams and Bad Robot, but the inevitable hackneyed Cloverfield tie-in that I was expecting never happened. I mean, I guess we didn't stay till after the credits, so maybe it could have, but... Well, I, I did see uh, a little bit that it was denied that it was a Cloverfield movie, so... Good. Excellent. Um... I think this movie stands a lot better on its own than trying to tie into that convoluted franchise. Yeah, I want to see more schlocky sci-fi movies without them having to feel like they have to pigeonhole them to to be Cloverfield movies. And this movie does that pretty well, I think. The whole concept of the film is it's right before... Normandy, right? Yeah, right before um, D-Day. A group of soldiers go into enemy territory in France to blow up a church where... Uh, a radio tower. Yeah, where the uh, the uh, Nazis have a radio tower and have kind of a communications base to help out with D-Day. Right, so their, their ticking clock is that they have to blow up this tower before the ships land at Normandy um, so the the allies can safely have air support for their ships on D-Day. Little um, do they know that under the tower there are some strange uh, Nazi experiments uh, down there. So Yeah, it's kind of your, your cliche uh, Nazi zombie kind of thing with the, the Nazis doing experiments trying to create super soldiers um, and our team of American soldiers who have to stop them before it's too late. Very basic, predictable plot, um, but one that I think is packaged really nicely uh, to the extent that I did, didn't really care how predictable everything was. Yeah, well, that's the thing. A lot of it is very tropey yeah. and predictable, but when it's fun, it's damn fun. I will say this movie had a few pacing problems. Mm-hmm. The The opening sequence is incredible. Like, yeah. It's really well done. Set, sets the bar extremely you know, high. But it, this is almost a common thing in World War II movies, I feel like, where they have a really visceral, intense opening a la, you know, Saving, Saving Private Ryan, Ryan or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the movie can't quite keep up that intensity. Not for um, not for the whole thing, at least. I think the, the that's what this movie kind of faces is yeah. after after the opening, it kind of falls into a a bit of a lull for about half an hour, I would say, mm-hmm. before it starts picking up again. Yeah, by the third act, it it ramps up again, and I think the the third act is pretty spectacularly fun because this is such a sort of cliched premise. Uh, I think 
what's necessary to make a movie like this good and entertaining is uh, how you deliver a lot of the stuff. And I think that that is this film's strong suit once it gets into, like, the action. Like you said, there's there's this whole section in the first and second act for about 30 minutes where they're, like, uh, sneaking into the town and, like, setting their plans to to blow up the the tower and they meet a, a local girl who helps them out and shelters them and all this stuff that is like it's okay but it felt a little bit like it was trying to be inglorious bastards to me well and the thing is they're doing a lot of setup in that right. section for later sections but this movie is not that complex i feel like it doesn't really need all of that setup you know no i i agree what i will say though is i think this movie does a pretty good job of building all the characters i i liked all of the characters for the most part um some of the some of the soldiers are just kind of archetype like archetypical cliche soldier characters but it does a good job of like letting you get to know all the main players and their different personalities and stuff like that, that sort of helps drive their, their motivations for the most part. Yeah, I would agree. I think they're kind of predictable characters, but they're likable characters, right? which helps a lot. Well, in the opening, the, the sergeant is played by Bokeem Woodbine. My um, man. Yeah, he does a really great He's job. He's fucking awesome. Yeah. My yeah, one of my major problems with this movie is they killed him off too early. Yeah. I wanted, I wanted him in like the whole movie. Same. Bokeem Woodbine is such a great actor, and he's a really good character actor. And his character in this movie is like such like your perfect over the top World War Two era like army sergeant. Just, like, totally unflappable and talking shit even when their plane is being shot down. And, like, l- later when they find him in the woods and he's surrounded by Nazis, he's like, any of you krauts got a cigarette? None of ya? And then they all just shoot him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. He, no. Yeah, I Bokeem Woodbine is awesome. And he was a little underutilized in this movie. Uh, the party he did have was great, though. But, yeah, the other characters... They are pretty predictable at times. You know, like, there was one character, immediately he introduced his character by, like, saying he was writing a writing a novel or, like, documenting his experience in the war. And so my mind was just like, yeah, he's going to die. And, and just He just immediately, after he says that, it steps on a landmine. Um, yeah, there's there's some of that that predictable stuff, and you've got the the loudmouth uh, Brooklyn sniper guy who keeps talking shit to, like, the French girl's little brother. And he's just like, I hate kids, blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, well, obviously, later in the movie, he's going to... He's going to sacrifice himself to save the kid. 
and he's gonna he's gonna realize that he he's actually a caring individual and he likes kids, which is almost exactly what happens. Except he doesn't die; he just takes a bullet, saving the kid, but then is okay. So that yeah, there's there's a lot of those cliches. I like our protagonist a lot, Private Boyce or whatever his name is. He's sort of the the reluctant soldier who got drafted and is not really cut out for, you know, fighting and killing, but, you know, ends up doing what he has to do because of his, his principles of goodness, which, once again, is not uh, a particularly uh, original character idea, but I think it works. Yeah, it I, works. I, I, I like having him as our eyes. And he's not just this, like, cold-blooded, hardened soldier character badass, you know? I don't think that's what... Because, you know, it's a horror movie, and they're up against, like, pseudo-supernatural elements. Um, so I, I think for for him to not be, like, your total American badass is, I think, a, a good thing. Yeah, it makes it a little more relatable, and it grounds the story a little bit more. I will say, like... For such a campy movie, it did a good job not feeling too goofy. Like, it definitely gets goofy at times, but it doesn't get too tongue-in-cheek. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, especially in the third act, it gets kind of grindhousey at times, which I think lends itself to a certain degree of campiness, but it still approaches it seriously enough that it's not like, oh, look at us, we're making a goofy Nazi zombies movie. It, it takes itself seriously enough that it doesn't pull you out of the world, but it is still, you know, funny and, and very fun. Uh, at a lot of moments. Well, one thing they do do to kind of up the seriousness is uh, they have all of the French people speaking French and the German people speaking German. Right. Which doesn't always happen in a lot of these schlockier World War II movies. Um, right. I appreciated it in this movie. At times, I felt like it was a little excessive. I mean, I would say that overall, I... F outside of like the Nazi zombie stuff outside of like the sci-fi horror shit it felt like a pretty realistic grounded depiction of of war for the most part yeah yeah i agree but i feel like it's weird to have that clash with the Nazi zombie second half of the movie you know like it didn't bother me all that much because it most of the excessiveness of the the realism for me was during that like 30 minute lull and once it got past that it kind of shed a lot of that anyways yeah the the french girl uh chloe i think her character's name is her her relationship with like the nazi general or the colonel or whatever felt kind of half baked to me um, it's established that, like, he comes to her every now and then and, like, basically rapes her, you know, yeah. and in in the sense that he says that if she doesn't cooperate and fuck him, then he's gonna, like, kill her family. And that stuff felt a little bit unnecessary to me, especially to the extent that our protagonist has to sort of be, like, her white knight and like come in and and save her from being raped whereas she doesn't feel like a character that really needs saving so that 
that felt a little corny to me because like we see her kick some ass later in the movie yeah. so so to have that sort of dichotomy between her as like very self-sufficient she's obviously been living in nazi occupied france for a long time like she knows what she's doing to have to have her be saved by the american guy at well, one point feels kind of yeah eh. it feels like they almost gave up on some of the characterizations like at first she was speaking only in french and then eventually she just started speaking english right same with the german guy too like at first he was just speaking german and a little bit of french and then by the end of it he was just talking in english Right. And it's like they gave up on some of the realism as the movie progressed. Well, I mean, all of our protagonists are American and everybody knows that Americans don't speak any language other than American. So, I mean, I think it would have been kind of pointless to have the the Nazi general speaking in German to the Americans who they're just like, I don't understand what you're saying. Well, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think that kind of accentuates the problem I have with them trying to be so realistic in that 30-minute lull, especially, though, because they were trying to do so much French language and German language stuff only for them to right give well, up on it, it in is the a, second half it is esta- it is established that our our protagonist voice uh does speak french yeah his grandmother his was grandmother's haitian, haitian and he and uh he grew up in new orleans so like i i think they could have done a little bit more with that having him sort of be like a medium between the the french people and uh, the other american soldiers i think it bothered me less with the with the nazi speaking multiple languages than it did with the the french girl knowing english i mean they give her you know reason cuz she went to university in london but like i don't know i i kind of see where you're coming from with that they sort of like they set up that he speaks french but then that doesn't have a payoff because then everybody just starts speaking english well, and, yeah. and his french his his french is never utilized again in the rest of the movie yeah well and i mean i guess you kind of have to have some transition between schlocky, over-the-top stuff and sure. the realism that they had in the opening sequence. Um, because the opening where the plane is shot down is very intense and... Extremely. You know, while it's, it's a big set piece, it doesn't feel over-the-top. Well, what I like about that opening sequence is, for the most part, it is completely contained to inside the plane um i mean we get a couple of shots from outside but it's not like you don't see the shots of like the german fighter pilots like flying around and like shooting at the at the planes and the dog fights and stuff it's it's very claustrophobic because it is all contained within this like jam-packed like troop transport plane and especially being from the main character's perspective and he you know obviously really doesn't want to be here anyway and is not cut out for it to have him like jammed in with all these other soldiers in a plane with no way to get out because it's obviously thousands of feet in the air and being shot at by by fucking 
other planes and and cannons on the ground and shit. Like, I, it does a really good job of feeling fucking dangerous. And I, I really like the sequence of when the plane is shot down and they all jump out as he's falling and he's, like, upside down. He's falling for a long time trying to uh, deploy his parachute. I thought that that shot was that really, really... That whole sequence was, was fucking awesome. Even when she, he fell into the water right. with the parachute like it's still intense because he's stuck onto the parachute and has to like cut he has, himself he has to loose. cut himself out of all of this gear so he doesn't so he can actually swim to the surface the the movie sets a really really high opening bar which might be somewhat detrimental to itself because like you're talking about it's hard to follow that up and the stuff that follows it doesn't quite do it justice un- until the end, I think. Yeah, it um, picks back up eventually, but it does have some pacing problems because of it. I wonder if they if they would have focused less on realism in that transition period, if it would have worked a little more for me, if it would have just been a little more balls to the wall. Um, for example, when he's yeah. going down to the basement by himself and discovering everything, you get some really cool stuff in that sequence. You know, you get like the the disembodied head. The oh yeah, Arate, which that, is stopped. That whole uh, the whole set piece of the of the nazi lab under the church is really great yeah i i think yeah i agree with you i think we could have gotten to that point sooner introduced the nazi super soldiers sooner kicked off the action sooner because this movie i think really succeeds in its uh in its action and some of its like gruesome body horror and stuff and i think if they had sort of done away with the side plot stuff in the in the latter half of the first act i i think it would have been stronger all around i almost wish they would have kept the guy who got killed by a landmine and just had him go down to the basement and get killed you know that way we could have seen more of that body horror stuff from the get-go and without letting the other main characters in on it we could have right started to learn about that stuff well yeah because they they capture the nazi general uh and have him tied up in the attic of the house where they're staying um and then when our main character comes back from the base and is telling them about everything he saw he he grabbed a, a syringe of this mysterious serum and then we get a prolonged scene of the the corporal, who is the sort of hardened American badass character, uh, just beating the shit out of the out of the Nazi general for a while. And then when they decide to move that move him, um, he pretends to be dead and shoots one of the other soldiers, the photographer character. And then for some reason, the protagonist decides to inject his dead friend with this mysterious serum that he knows nothing about but has only seen horrible things happening because of 
that was confusing for me. There, there's some motivations in this movie that don't make any sense. Like, I know they had to come up with a, a reason for them to use the serum so we can see what it's all about, but I think there's a better way to do it than that. Yeah. I think it even would have been better to have the the Nazi general inject the other guy with it when he escapes. Yeah, I will say the sequence where after he's injected he kind of transforms reminded me kind of of the thing uh in the way like he's slowly turning non-human and like his head flings back yeah i i did think that that whole sequence once he was injected was pretty good with him first sitting back up and being like i feel great and he looks down and the bullet hole in his chest is gone and then he accidentally crushes the canteen of water and then accidentally headbutts a uh, uh, like wooden post and snaps it. And then as he's like morphing and like the transformation is so powerful that he like breaks his own neck backwards and then it repairs itself. That is all really good and gruesome. Uh, I agree with you on that. I just don't really like the way they got there. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. I, I think the scene is effective, but I think they could have gotten to it in a way that's more believable and less confusing. A hundred percent. Oh, one character that had me kind of confused was the uh, the Jewish soldier. So he was like, captured immediately after the plane crashed and our main character saved him in the basement right and he was like hooked up to like a big pipe thing yeah with like a giant needle that was like sewn into his stomach i kept expecting there to be some sort of payoff with that like i was i was expecting him to like transform at some point a hundred percent like and start like killing his friends but then that didn't happen and yeah he, nothing really came up no that. he ended up being one of the one of the like three people who survived at the end and and at that point i was expecting them to do like a fake out ending where like oh we save the day everything's okay and then that dude starts transforming or something like that yeah. and then cut to credits like oh shit um but no that didn't happen either that, no it, that was kind of a disappointing payoff as well really weird to me yeah i his his character was kind of meaningless like yeah he helped the the sniper guy at the end like draw all the troops out of the base so the protagonist and the corporal can like get in and blow everything up but yeah other than that like and they could have they could have had any character he was like the that. least developed character too yeah his, absolutely his only character trait was he was jewish right well and also he's he's gone from like the first half of the movie because like you said he gets captured right away and then they find him again later yeah so that was that was kind of confusing and i mean it it was probably them thinking oh we need a jewish guy to fight the nazis because world war ii but you could have at least given him like more of a character than just that right it's like they were trying to have their one inglorious bastards character but that was really underdeveloped he yeah he he felt like a throwaway character for the most part because he didn't do anything that was uh of like particular importance to him as a character like his entire role in the movie could have been filled by any other character that was a weird choice yeah i i was very confused by that character 
Um, but I thought the other characters were pretty well-rounded. And once after that dude gets injected and, you know, we see what happens, the movie really starts to pick up. Yes. In my opinion, the eight-year-old brother of the French girl is taken by the Nazi and he escapes. And so they launch a plan to... But in his escape, he gets uh, shot in the face. Yeah. Not fatally, but we see him go back to the the lab and immediately grab two uh, syringes of the serum and inject himself, and uh, and then turns around and reveals the the mess of his face, which I thought was a pretty cool reveal because we didn't see it up to that point, and he's getting all vascular and shit because of the serum. Like, why is that such a, th- a thing in horror movies and sci-fi movies where there's, like, some mysterious, like, serum and you inject yourself with it and it just makes you extremely vascular? Make those veins pop. <laughs> Good workout. Steroids. Steroids, bruh. <laughs> um, that, that's just an aside. But yeah, the, the, their plan to infiltrate the base is, uh, actually fucking awesome. Yeah. The way, the way they initiate that, they capture, uh, this, nazi on a uh on like a a motorcycle and they send him back into the base with his hands tied to the the handlebars of the motorcycle he's got a piece of duct tape over his mouth and when one of the other nazis pulls the duct tape off it pulls the pin of the grenade that they had shoved in his mouth and they filled the motorcycle sidecar full of explosives that was fucking awesome yeah that That was was so that was one of my favorite parts mine too it was awesome. Um, yeah, so they created a distraction, and they had two of them just picking them off uh, one right. by make, one as make well. Right, it, make it seem like the whole American army is there to draw as many of the soldiers out of the base as possible, while the uh, other two slip in and plant the explosives. But it's not that easy, of course, because the base has our, our newly super-soldiered Nazi general in it, and some other random Nazi zombies. I I will say we were talking about on the drive home how we both thought that there would be more, like, creature effects in the movie, and there kind of weren't a lot, which was somewhat disappointing to me. Yeah. Um, a A lot of that final action sequence was just, like, gunfights. Yeah, they had a lot of good gore, but they didn't really have any creatures i i figured that like the way they had them set up they would do more like accentuations of the human body and like cronenbergian body horror stuff right well and i also expected them to be dealing with a lot more of these uh mutant super soldiers because other than like the the main nazi general there there's like one other that gets let loose and uh chases Chloe around for a while which is which is fine but I think I would have liked to see them be up against like a group 
of of these super soldiers and have like really be really outmatched and have to find a creative way to to survive i think that would have been a little bit more exciting yeah because like even them on their own were threats we saw chloe you know having to deal with one of them right who is like a monstrous one with fucked up arms and stuff but very wet very wet yeah all she had to do is uh flamethrower him and he was done like i wish it felt like more of a threat right yeah she she was able to dispatch it pretty easily like it chased her for a little while and she shot it a few times but then yeah ultimately just found a flamethrower and torched it which of course in these movies anytime you find a flamethrower like that's gonna be the weapon fire kills everything (laughs) um but instead, most of the the climax is the protagonist and the corporal fighting with uh, the mutant general guy. And there's there's some pretty good action and fighting in, in that scene. One thing that bothered me a little bit is like they established with uh, the guy who transformed in the attic earlier. They established that the only way to kill these things is to destroy the head like you do but they seem to forget that when it came to the nazi general at one point the protagonist like unloads his machine gun like right into the dude's chest and then later like drives a like a a metal pipe through his chest when his back is turned like when he could have easily done it through his head done it through his head and ended it right there um, yeah, that was weird to me too. Yeah, it's like you just you just you set up rules for your for your monsters, and, and then, then you don't really and then, follow, and them. then you forget them immediately. Uh, yeah, I thought that was a little bit uh, a little bit silly, um, but I thought that final fight scene is pretty fun. The corporal who is wounded badly injects himself with the serum and uh becomes a, a a mutant american super soldier i do wish there had been a little bit more with that where it had been like a like a real clash between these uh two super soldiers yeah we got it just a little bit and the whole time i was thinking like a Metal Gear Solid fight right there. Right. Well, that's what I was hoping for. I was I was hoping for something along the lines of like uh you know like the Incredible Hulk uh like with the Edward Norton <laughs> one where, where he fights uh mutant Tim Roth at the end and they're just like these two big guys and they're smashing shit and just beating the shit out of each other. That's what I was really hoping for. And we only got a little bit of that, just like a tease before the the corporal sacrifices himself to blow up the lab um which also extremely predictable he even has the line like i was never coming back and i knew it and it's like of course god damn it do you think this movie was a little too restrained almost at times uh i wouldn't say that as a whole it was too restrained because i think it did some really great over-the-top shit well, I think the best parts were the over-the-top stuff. Well, exa- like, exactly. I think exactly. if they would have pushed that further. They could have. Um, I I don't know if they were just trying to play it safe or what. But yeah, I agree with you. The really over-the-top shit was the most fun. And I do think they could have safely pushed that. They should have. They really should have just like embraced the, the grindhouse 
uh, aesthetic fully and just gone buck wild with it. But I don't know, that might not have appealed to as wide an audience. Like, you know, this is a bad robot production. It's not trying to, to be too niche. Um, and I think that like really over the top stuff is kind of niche to a certain extent. Which is a bummer because, you know, like, I think it's just the death of action movies as a genre because this movie at times feels like it wants to be an action movie but never feels like it can push itself to that level where, like, it's afraid to get too goofy in a way with it, I guess you could say. Right. Yeah, I I can agree with that. And for a World War II movie, like, some of the best ones are the really actiony ones you know especially when you're trying to do a movie like this like there's a reason like they kind of have a grindhouse tradition right and it does some of that uh and the parts it does of that it does really well i just almost wanted more of that yeah for sure i i agree like we are we do have such uh an oversaturation of uh, action movies these days and a lot of them are doing the exact same things and the ones that are the most fun are the ones that really go over the top and and make it fresh and try to have fun with it i think that's the best tradition of action movies even if you look back at some of the like greatest classic action movies stuff like die hard uh stuff like the original predator uh rambo shit like that it is really really over the top and that's what makes it fun and i think a lot of action movies have forgotten that to an extent and are just so by the book that they forget to have fun with what they're doing and and I think that I don't think this movie ever really stops being fun but it doesn't quite have the balls to to push it into the level of greatness I think I would agree cuz I, I I think this is I think this is a really good movie I I think it's it's short of being great though yeah, and I think if it would have been more unafraid to go to weirder, yeah, more insane places, it would have been a great movie. I agree because a lot of those elements are the strongest part of it. So it was it was weird to see them selectively be restrained, especially when they're telling such a story that's essentially by the numbers and predictable right like the the biggest shining point is you know the the stuff that makes it stand out which is like the awesome gore and effects mm-hmm. and the set pieces so like i do i do appreciate that they didn't go the safe pg-13 route with this and they weren't afraid to be gory i think that did elevate it uh to a certain extent yeah, I, honestly, it's one of the things that made it stand out. Yeah, absolutely. Because it would have been so easy to take this movie and be like, well, let's make it like appeal to a really wide audience. Let's cut out the gore, and we'll make it safe, and a lot of the death will be off camera. Um, and then we can make it PG-13 and market it to younger kids, too. And uh, I'm glad they didn't do that. Yeah, no, I think that would have been a terrible, terrible move. Yeah. Um, do you want to rate? Yeah. Uh, so I think this is a really solid entry. It's a really fun, schlocky war horror movie. 
Um, it does have some pacing problems, you know, like the opening is incredible, but, you know, it kind of falls into a lull for a little while after that. But when it's fun, it's really fun. Um, the gore effects, both practical and CG, are really great. Um, the acting was surprisingly pretty good. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, overall, it was, a, it was a solid movie. I'll give it a three and a half out of five. Um, like I mentioned before, it falls short of being really great, but it is a really good movie. Yeah, I can pretty much second that. Um, the The character development was good. The characters were likable, um, despite their cliches and a couple of throwaway characters. Um, like you said, the acting was was pretty strong from from all fronts. Um, other than Bokeem Woodbine, I don't think I recognized any of the actors in this movie from anything else. Um, so nice that they, they got some fresh faces in there. Um, the gore is great. Uh, the set design is awesome. Pretty well shot as well. Um, from a cinematography and, uh, camera work standpoint. Yeah. I, I just think that it played a few things a little bit too safe and, uh, that, prevented it from achieving greatness but overall a film that i would recommend and uh, i think is enjoyable i'm going to give it a four out of five pods so that'll give overlord a average of 3.8 out of five pods um check it out if you like watching nazis get blown up and shit it's a that's always a a a nice catharsis especially in the times that we're living in um so yeah go go watch some nazis die spectacularly um and with that i'm gonna take us briefly into metacritic corner So I'm not doing a user review this week, but I did find uh, a review from The Guardian um, by uh, Fun Police Peter Bradshaw, and uh, I'm going to read through this article pretty quickly. This gruesome film has arrived like some particularly nasty new version of Call of Duty, destined to be played for days at a time by a regrettable and clearly unrepresentative gaming subset of pale, dead-eyed loners. (laughs) It is a bizarre and weirdly humorless and explicit action horror fantasy set during the Second World War, specifically just before the D-Day landings, hence the title, derived from Operation Overlord, you see. It is written by Billy Ray, who scripted Captain Phillips in The Hunger Games, and directed by Australian filmmaker Julius Avery, all working from an original concept from producer J.J. Abrams, the idea being to make some money from a customer base which might loosely be described as incels and incel fellow travelers. Jesus Christ. I mean, I mean in fairness, it's not a groundbreaking idea. The movie, no, it's but... not. But what did this movie do to this man? Yeah, right. <laughs> 
It is June 1944, and Hovan Adepo plays Boyce, a young private in the 101st Airborne Division of the U.S. Army. He and his buddies are being parachuted into France on a mission to disable a radio tower positioned atop a church, thus disrupting the Nazis' communication network and assisting the Allied invasion on land. A more perfunctory and MacGuffin-y plot device can hardly be imagined, but no matter. Having arrived in the nightmarish chaos of occupied France, Boyce and his dirty half-dozen prepare to approach this church only to make a very strange discovery, that it is the site of Nazi medical experimentation, turning civilian prisoners into uber-soldiers in preparation for the forthcoming Thousand-Year Reich. There is something deeply crass about this facetious nonsense, and everyone involved in this film might want to reflect that Nazi medical experimentation during the Second World War did in fact happen (laughs) under circumstances other than these. It was a very real thing, not just a death metal horror movie gag. Overlord leaves a very nasty taste in the mouth. (laughs) One out of five. You, you got so mad that they I were know. showing. That's that's why I decided to to read this article because this guy took this movie so personally. Yeah, like enough to say that it's only watchable by pasty, dead-eyed loners or incels. Like, what the fuck? Like, what? What did J.J. Abrams do to this man? Did he fuck his wife or something? Did this critic have family that was like experimented on or something i mean maybe but like jesus christ it's a it's an action horror movie like calm down or like how how are you so unwilling to have any sort of fun yeah no fun allowed exactly fucking fun police anyway this has been metacritic corner So before we uh, finish up this episode, I do want to give a special shout out or shout down (laughs) uh, to Vogue, uh, who this week wrote what might be the hottest take of 2018 uh, with their article entitled, uh, Wasn't This Supposed to Be the Golden Age of Horror? Uh, By (laughs) Taylor Antrim. Um, So I'm going to read... Um, some selections from it. Word. Because it is, it is something. Remember when horror was good? It wasn't that long ago. Just last year, in fact. Scary movies went on an absolute tear in 2017. We had blockbusters like Split and It, auteurist chillers like Raw, It Comes at Night, Thelma, Super Dark Times, and of course, Get Out. Jordan Peele's masterpiece of social horror should have won that Oscar, and when it didn't, maybe the air went out of the genre? Something happened. I'm not sure there's been a good scary movie since. Fuck off. Okay, it was hereditary in June. There was A Quiet Place, which was a fun 90 minutes at the multiplex, but really more of a PG-13 thriller than a horror flick. What else? Did you subject yourself to Winchester, The Nun, Slenderman? We did, all three of those. Yep, and they were all awful. They were bad, I can't agree with that. We didn't even get a decent shark movie this year. Wrong. Wrong. (laughs) 
The Meg was very good. Yeah. Uh, no, 2018 has not been good for horror. And I'm including David Gordon Green's wildly overpraised Halloween in that assessment. Wrong. Which has been making buckets of money, perhaps because there's nothing else remotely scary to go see. Wrong. But Halloween is not scary. It's plottingly uh, retro slasher film and strenuously, I'd say cynically, woke in its vision of female empowerment via revenge. Wrong. Please check out the French flick Revenge if you want to see something really provocative on that subject. Uh, it's hard not to be happy for Jamie Lee Curtis, who has uh, been taking a victory lap for headlining the highest grossing horror film in history with a female lead over 55. But that money doesn't make Halloween any less forgettable. Wrong. Suspiria is not forgettable. Nor is it, I hasten to say, much of a horror film. Wrong. Despite being a remake of one. Italian director Luca Guadagnino has turned to Dario Argento's campy 70s classic, a crimson bloodbath of a movie, into a self-serious art film set in Berlin, which is so stylized and airless that it's impossible to feel much of anything watching it besides confusion. Wrong. (laughs) Horror needs an element of fun, of dark delight. Hereditary, which I liked, missed this quality, too. Wrong. (laughs) And I defy you to take any delight in Suspiria, or to explain what on earth is going on in that final set piece in which heads explode and bodies fall apart, and never once does your heart race. Wrong. Suspiria is not supposed to be a delightful film. Not every horror movie is supposed to be delightful. (laughs) It has been rolling out slowly across the country and may eventually perform well at the box office, probably because there is so much pent-up demand for horror and so much goodwill for Guadagnino after the transporting called me by your name. I will say I wasn't bored in Suspiria. I was bored in Halloween, but I certainly wasn't scared. Jesus Christ. Uh, Yeah, she goes on to talk about TV horror and complains for a couple paragraphs about that. And then in the final paragraph, she says, This all the more disappointing because just living in uh, through 2018 has felt a bit like a horror film. The counterintuitive thing about horror movies is that they actually make us feel better, not worse, about the horrors of the real world. We go to horror not to be terrified. The ace horror director Karen Kuzama, The Invitation and XX, told me uh, last year. But to be terrified in a familiar form that allows us just a bit of control over our experience. Control! Wouldn't that be a nice feeling to have right now? The year isn't over and maybe a good cathartic scare is on its way. Otherwise, here's to a golden age of horror returning in 2019. Jesus Christ. I thought I was a cynic. Right? What a mess. How how wrong can you be? There's been so many good horror movies. Right. Like, I feel like if you're going to cite movies like 
Winchester and the Nun and Slender Man, then you might as well say that every year is a bad year for horror because it's that kind of shit that gets cranked out on mass. Like, yeah, she didn't mention garbage of last year, like the snowman or there was so much like there's good and bad every year. But like, we're definitely in a new renaissance for horror, I think, uh, in the latter half of the the 20 teens, you know? Yeah, she like mentions hereditary, for example, without, you know, emphasizing anything besides that she didn't think it was fun right Which exactly all, first of all hereditary is very fun yeah but also like it's not trying to be like super over the top like fun horror like it's a serious horror film you know same with suspiria i know we have our our differences of opinion on the new suspiria but that is not a film that's supposed to be joyful you know there are fun horror movies like overlord that we just talked about or like mom and dad which we talked about earlier this year which also is another fantastic horror movie that came out this year like there's a difference between fun horror movies and serious horror movies like it doesn't have to have a sense of joy to be good in fact sometimes trying to make it fun is what ruins it you know you have to know the film you're trying to make like i would say if anything 2018 has just been a continuation of the the strengthening golden age of horror as she calls it that i think started in, in like 2014 even you know that has just been gaining strength and power since then i i think that i don't know maybe maybe this woman is too jaded by 2018 hell world which it is hard not to be at times but what what the fuck are you talking about 2018 being a bad year for horror it's just it's objectively not true yeah and like she has such a specific definition of horror like if you don't consider a quiet place to be horror then i don't know what to tell you right like, quiet place is absolutely horror yeah well that was all for that trash fire of an article yeah but. if you want to read that article in its entirety uh we did uh tweet a link to that uh on our twitter um, so check that out if you want to dive further into the depths of how jaded this poor woman was. But uh, yeah, I guess that'll bring us to the end of this week's episode. Uh, do we have a plan for next week? Uh, we will be watching a movie. Yes. Or next, two. Next week, or three. Next week there will be an episode in which we talk about between one and several horror films. <laughs> um I sorry we didn't plan it out ahead uh but it'll be there so it'll be a surprise for you and a surprise for us. Uh thank you as always for listening. Uh if you like the show, leave us a sweet sweet rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get your podcasts. Um follow us on Twitter at podpeoplepod um where you can see uh 
stuff like that article. <laughs> um, <laughs> see some bad takes. Um, uh, follow us on Letterboxd for uh, the list of all the movies we've talked about on the show to date with our average ratings and links to those episodes. Um, follow me on Twitter at Mr. Van Awesome. And I'm at Mr. Sheets. And um, yeah, we love you. We appreciate you. Keep being scared. And until next time, this has been the pod people. Go out and do your civic duty and punch a Nazi. Right in the face. Right in the face. Right in the face.